we're good to go. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Ecom Hot Seat. Today's guest um, is Antonio, the CEO and founder of um, Hoski Media, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yep. They are a creative shop based out of Montreal in Canada, I believe it is. Um, And they do some awesome, awesome content for UGC brands. So I'm not going to butcher it too much. Um, I'd rather let him introduce himself. So yeah, do you want to start by kind of introducing yourself and letting everyone know, you know, what it is that you're working on at the moment? Absolutely. So the company was founded three years ago as a way of uh, delivering great content to e-com. You know, we first started off in like the viral comedic uh, ads and transitioned towards user-generated content content, product demos. Uh, We're currently working on our own uh, proprietary SaaS software uh, that will create like a marketplace uh, for these influencers and for the brands. But for now, we're focusing on um, creating amazing content in the studio for e-commerce brands. And uh, it's been a blast so far. Awesome. Cool. Thank you so much for taking the time today, man. That's my pleasure. You just mentioned something in there that um, I didn't actually have written down, but I definitely want to kind of unpack a little bit more. So you mentioned you're working on some proprietary um, SaaS solution. I assume it's going to be an alternative to things like Billow and stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's going to be um, an alternative to the Billow marketplace, but with uh, a higher end selection of, um, of of influencers and with a more <clears throat> powerful search engine, basically. Yeah, awesome. I think those when I've used Billow in the past, those are the two biggest things that I've had complaints with. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> So we should be rolling it out um, quite quite soon. We've already mapped out the entire user experience and now we're just transitioning to, to the actual execution of it. Fantastic. That's awesome. Okay, cool. So you mentioned you transitioned over from kind of viral comedic ads to more UGC stuff. And one of the, the big observations I've had kind of since UGC has become really popular on the platform, um, on, on any, any platform really, is... The fact that not all UGC is created equal, right? A lot of people assume that, you know, just because they have an influencer testimonial or just because they have a customer testimonial in a video format that is fit to run ads to, but kind of, can you break down some of the pillars or some of the key components that you look for in good UGC that is actually designed to convert? Yeah, so um, the biggest thing is not having the right demographic on camera. So, for example, if you're selling a product to moms over 35 that have a small child, uh, but you have like a 23-year-old, you know, young girl doing the review, it's going to create a total disconnect with your audience. So we've really been working hard on creating a group or network of influencers and content creators who match the demographic before anything else, right? Um, of course, the delivery of the content is super important and having someone that's comfortable in, in, in front of camera, I would say is 50% of the battle. Uh, but the other part is really just getting the right person. And we all know that as soon as you start kind of creeping up in the age uh, group that uh, contacting, contacting these people uh, and negotiating a project with them starts to become a lot more challenging. Um, so that's been one of the, the big things that we've been able to overcome, mainly through just volume of work. Uh, we provide, you know, uh, a really, really high number of, of campaigns to these people. So we've built this kind of loyalty. Um, so that's, that's really what we look for in a successful campaign. And then the other thing that I would say that a lot of, it's like a big mistake that, that agency owners and, and e-commerce brands do is that they try to script what these people are going to say instead of creating uh, scenarios um, that will basically help them, help the person uh, naturally 
tell the benefits, right? Instead of saying, hey, I bought this and I, my life has changed. Like, I don't know how many ads we've seen where everyone's life has changed. It must've changed like 30, 40 times already, if, if that's really the case. So uh, it's more about like, hey, like for example, we're, if we're doing a cat campaign, like, hey, how old's your cat? You know, and even if these questions are not directly specific to the benefits, it creates the environment and, and the kind of comfort for that person to ease into those benefits, right? So it's like when you're taking a lie detector test, right? The, the person asking you the question is never going to start right away with, hey, did you commit the crime? It's more like, hey, so how, how, what's your name? How old are you? What's your favorite color? Did you commit the crime? And then right away, you know, you kind of see that turn on. So you don't want to, you want to ease them into, into, the, into the delivery. Mm -hmm. and how important is it to keep that organic feel because a lot of brands nowadays i see they overproduce or over post produce the content and then it becomes very very clear that this is an ad this is not something that is going to blend into the newsfeed as such where somebody is going to be somebody's going to have their their guard up basically when consuming that creative so what can right. brands do to make it more um so, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of tests done by other agencies that say, oh, you know, raw UGC content is, is usually performing better than a content that's edited. But the, the, main different, the main factor that we consider here is, um, is that, okay, does the product warrant a demonstration? Because if it does, uh, you know, it's always more interesting to show like, you know, for example, let's say we're doing some kind of elaborate tech piece um, that requires some kind of unboxing or a small setup. Uh, even if the UGC uh, is supernatural, it's always kind of nice to show the demonstration. If the product relies more on word of mouth, um, things like that, well, then raw content is definitely the way to go. Awesome. Okay, perfect. And we, we talked, uh, I think last week it was about um, kind of understanding creative metrics and, and taking a look in the ad account to really get a, an understanding of, of how your creatives are performing aside from just number of purchases and ROAS, which are kind of the, the standard. The, yeah. But what, what other things would you recommend people look at to understand creative performance within their ad accounts? Honestly, like CPM is a huge indicator uh, as of now, because for example, we're running campaigns where we're launching a bunch of creatives. CPM is around like 60, 70, 80, sometimes a hundred dollars, which is I think pretty standard across the industry right now. Uh, and sometimes we get creatives where that are pumping out ad sets at $12 CPM, like we had recently. So it's really a clear indication, not just that the creative is working, but you have an alignment in terms of audience, the creative and the offer that you're presenting. Um, so that's just an indication for us to kind of dive deeper into that asset uh, and create more variation of that creative or to simply scale that, uh, that budget up. So that's been a really, really big indicator. Uh, and that's just like Facebook, plain and simple, uh, giving you the audience that you want, right? Uh, giving you the, the kind of results that you're looking for. So CPM and click-through rate obviously are, are pretty big indicators, but I'll be honest, like sometimes even a low click-through rate will yield uh, the right results. It's not always about the click-through rate because everyone, it's like, uh, I kind of compare this to the the orange button syndrome where, uh, you know, every marketer's dream is like, oh, if I get an orange button on my landing page, I'm going to make millions of dollars. Like it's kind of funny, but it, like a lot of people are in this mentality uh, and it's just like, okay, but even if the person clicks that orange button, you know, it doesn't mean that they're going to buy. Right. It's just, it's just, so, you know, the CPM has really been the, the metric we've been gravitating towards recently. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. There's something that we look at internally as well, which is the thumb stop ratio. Um, yeah. So for, for anyone listening or watching who doesn't know how to create that or 
or how to find that within your within your ad account. Um, it, it requires a custom metric, but basically what you do is you create a custom metric, um, you name it your thumb stop ratio, and then the formula that you set up for it is your three second video views over your impressions. If it's anything less than I'd say about 30% really, then yeah. you know, you've got um, some issues within the first three to five seconds of your video, depending on the length, and then you can act accordingly. And then obviously don't just only pay attention to that, pay attention to, okay, if, we, if we're hooking people in, are we actually keeping them through the duration as well? Because if we're not, and if they jump off after seven seconds, then they don't actually see your CTA or your offer anyway, in which case it renders that kind of pointless, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. So um, you mentioned uh, in what you were just saying about, you know, when you find something that's working, creating variations of it. So let's say we have a creative format that is working um, and it's a UGC video. What are the first things that you look to do when it comes to creating variations of something that's already working? Yeah, so what we tend to do is to basically move the structure around. So for example, if we're talking uh, we had a, like a we had a client recently that we do variations for on a monthly basis just because we're fighting ad fatigue so much, um, and they're spending they're spending a, a, a quite a bit of budget, so it requires like creative refreshers like pretty often. Uh, what we've found that's been interesting is um, because sometimes what happens is like deciding what the angle of the video is drives those variations. So sometimes we'll do a couple of videos where the concept is okay, this video is, is mainly to educate. This video is mainly to showcase. Uh, this video is mainly for social proof. And then once we find like the angle that's that's working, okay, like people are really responding to this educational side. Uh, what we'll do is then we'll deep dive into, okay, let's keep it educational. And usually when it comes to an educational video, there's, there's a part of the video that's pretty like fixed, right? It's the step-by-step -step process uh, or like the information delivery. Um, once you kind of get it down, it pretty much stays the same. So then what happens is that we just, change the front end uh, of the creative. So uh, like you kind of what you mentioned before, creating uh, different different scroll stoppers uh, to kind of to, to, to show, to, to fix that first three to five seconds, right? Um, you know, but at, when we launch these creatives, we're looking more at what kind of videos are people responding to? So for example, we had a campaign recently for like a restaurant. Um, and what we did is that we show, so, and this was for like another agency. So we don't just like service e-com brands, but we also do like B2B. And so for example, we were working with a restaurant agency that was looking to get more restaurant leads. And, you know, they tried the classic, like, you know, all the classic stuff, like talking to the camera and all this, all this stuff. And what we did was that we just created a food TikTok uh, from one of the, one of the, the, the restaurants that they were currently working in. And all we did was change the text instead of saying like, wow, look at this amazing food, come and eat at this place. We were like, Hey, do you like, do you like these videos? Do you want them for your restaurant? Um, you know, click here. And the click through rate was like insane. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, people, these restaurants owners, they don't really want to see a person talking to the camera and just like pitching them, uh, for them, that angle was like super interesting. So we were like, wow, this is a great realization. Um, so that was like, just like one of the, one of the items. So that item was like both for B2C, like, you know, we were, we were targeting the consumer, but then we were, we also used the same thing to target, uh, businesses. So uh, same footage, totally different copy, uh, totally different results. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. Yeah. And you mentioned TikTok in there. And TikTok is like the talk of the town when it comes to media buying at the moment with everything that's going on Facebook and uh, where else. So, sure. <laughs> so in terms of creative for TikTok, then have you seen any formats or structures that work better on TikTok? I know 
obviously the bulk of the platform is kind of um, visual kind of like Snapchat, where there, there is no ad copy as such that you can use. Um, so yeah, what, what are your kind of learnings or thoughts on, on TikTok creative? Well, we've been using it a lot for, especially in the restaurant niche, uh, to attract people from the local market into the into the restaurant. Um, <clears throat> that's been really a great we've we've seen people leverage this content for the e-com brands. I know that people, some people have found like really amazing success. Uh, things like you know insanely high click-through rates, but usually what we've seen is like the purchases are pretty low. So. Um, we're still trying to figure that part out as to how to create predictable uh, revenue with this platform. Uh, we all know that the, the, the viewership is, is insane. You know, people like the platform is pushing your content left, right, and center. Uh, you know, it's really normal that some of the videos kind of standard get between five to 20,000 views. And then you have that occasional video that pops off and gets like 100,000. Uh, but we haven't really been able to directly correlate this with sales. I don't know if your experience has been different for this. Um, but that's kind of where we're at with that. We're still we're still aggressively testing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think there's there's still some work to do, kind of in terms of their algorithm, in terms of figuring out what buckets to put people in. Like Facebook, obviously, has purchase event optimization, where if you optimize for purchase, you're going to get purchases. If you optimize for add to carts, you're going to get add to carts. And I think that is kind of the result of the years of learning that the algorithm has had on Facebook in terms of identifying user behaviors, which you know, TikTok is fairly new. And so I think it's fairly early in that process. But I think if it does get it nailed in terms of identifying user behaviors and stuff, um, kind of irrespective of what's going on with iOS 14, if they do find some sort of way around it, then I think it'd probably be one of the most powerful platforms because the user base is just exponentially growing and it's, it's, everybody's on there. Like, it's not just, you know, that that perception that people have of, you know, it's just kids watching nonsense dancing videos. It's actually uh, people with real purchasing power on there, um, spending 100%. a lot of on there as well. 100%, 100%. So in terms of ad inspiration, because um, that's one of the big bottlenecks that people have, right? Is, you know, we've created this ad, or especially if you've got a founder who's not as creatively inclined, um, and they say they run their ads themselves or, you know, whatever else the case might be. Where can they look to to find more ad inspiration um, fairly easily? Yeah, so one of the really great things that, that we do for our customers is the product research phase, which basically helps us identify keywords uh, that your customers are mentioning throughout reviews and comments. And by taking this, it kind of creates this kind of string that you can tug on. And as you tug on it, the string unravels and the ideas come. So for example, like uh, we're currently pitching for a shampoo company, uh, which the major point uh, that the clients are mentioning is the smell. Um, so again, so now we're basically brainstorming um, creative ideas around the smell, right? So that's 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 really where the inspiration comes. And this is how we've been able to systematize it because the reality is that we're shooting like at least twice a week right now. Um, so, you know, to keep that operation super tight, there needs to be some kind of data-driven approach uh, for these ideas, it's it's almost it's all, always a gamble to kind of just go with what you think in your head uh, and not have some kind of solid backing for it. So this is what this is the method that we've been that we've been using, and it's also the method that's helped us like just take regular graphics and um, you know get that new angle that was in the copy and the ad copy to help boost conversion. And it's made quite a difference. Um, a lot of the owner, like a lot of e-commerce, especially if they're starting out, they kind of just go in blind and throw things against the wall, which is 
you know, I'm a very big fan of this, but once you're doing this, um, like once you're creating the system, you do need to have like established steps for this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just kind of look at what my competitor's doing, although you do find some useful stuff in there and there's definitely stuff that you can, you know, like you said, um, you know, pull on the string and, and things will unravel for you. Um, and you can, you know, turn one idea into, I don't know, 10, 15 different ideas. Um, and I think I really like the idea of using the data-driven approach as well to kind of understand, you know, how you're, when you, when you, for example, like we talked about before, when you find a creative that works, then shuffling the clips around to see if you can drive further performance. And then if you find another iteration that works, well, then you can factor that into your shooting process, your editing process for 100%. future creatives, right? And then you all of a sudden have this process-driven approach to creating uh, assets as opposed to, um, you know, just relying on blind inspiration, right? Exactly. No, that's exactly. And that's one of the reasons why we stopped offering viral ads like upfront because we just realized there was just so much risk into taking a, you know, a set budget and trying to create the ad right off the top without any kind of backing or uh, long-term collaboration, which is why we, we've switched to like influencers and repurposing as a way of working with us at the beginning. And then that allows us to also give discounts on shoots and productions because, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the risk is mitigated, right? It never goes away completely, but at least everyone is confident as to, okay, you know, we have this data. We know that this is working for a fact. Let's see if we can, you know, push, push this even further. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that we've been testing quite, uh, quite a lot recently is, and I know it's something that I think every brand should have processes in place for this is um, objection busting creatives. So specifically targeting issues that people have before they make a buying decision. Yeah. With some, you know, designed to quote unquote solve a problem for them. Um, if they 100% believe that that is the case, they're going to purchase. And there's so many different objections that any user can have. And one good place that you can go to find this is your FAQs, right? Just look at your customer support tickets, see what people are asking about. Um, and if you don't have customer support, definitely get that first. Um, because, <laughs> because you can identify so many valuable insights from your customers and you don't even have to ask them. They literally come to you. Um, and then you can build specific assets around that. And then let's say you've got a retargeting campaign going and you've got five different objective objection busting creatives and somebody sees one of them, they might purchase, but somebody might require having to see four of them and then purchase. But if you've got that kind of contingency in place, then you're in a much better position to, you know, consistently be able to generate, uh, sales from those campaigns. Right. That's, that's actually a great angle. Yeah, another thing that I've I've come across recently on on the creative front is we were talking about inspiration. Is um, the Facebook ad library has changed. Um, so before, where it used to be, where you can just go on a specific Facebook page, click page transparency, and then see the ads that were running, and you'd have to do this one by one. Now, what you can do is actually search by keywords. So if you open up the Facebook exactly. ad library homepage, you can literally select your country. So us and then you just i think you have to press all ads um to get access to all the ads and then you can type in your niche so let's say you're selling pet supplements and you want some inspiration um you type in pet supplements and then you can see all of your competitors ads by the thousands literally and then what you can do is actually look at okay so today is um 30th of june at the time of recording this competitors had this ad running from the 22nd of March well they wouldn't be spending money on it for over a month if it wasn't converting 
So maybe I can take that same concept, apply that to our brand, use that as the inspiration, because then instead of kind of, uh, you know, doing such a, a broad kind of blank canvas approach, you have some, some little tidbits of data that you can use, right? If somebody's spending money on something, it has to be working for them. Otherwise yeah. it wouldn't be, you know? hundred percent. And one of the caveats of this is that sometimes those brands are just massive and they're just spending in the negative. <laughs> <laughs> and then you model that. And that's just, that's one of the, but I love, I didn't know this about the keyword. This is great. I'm going to be definitely implementing this. Uh, this must be one of the new updates, but yeah, that's, that's like, it's like due time. I'm like, I, I thought it was never going to come because, you know, it's like, why haven't you guys done this like years ago? Uh, but uh, I'm glad that they finally did that. Yeah, like literally, we have our in-house editor who bulk of his bulk of his time is just editing and chopping and changing and stuff like that. So when I introduced him to this, he just spends, and you can literally block out the time, right? An hour, two hours a day, just searching different keywords. Let's say we have seven clients in seven verticals. He's just searching different keywords, finding concepts. We create them, we test them, and we're able to then massively increase the volume of creative we test because we have that constant flow of ideas in the background. And once That's you create it's like you said, the data-driven approach, you know, you're onto something there. That's cool, man. Definitely. Okay. So we are approaching the last minute or so of our 20 minute timer. So one thing I wanted to ask you to conclude um, is obviously UGC is the talk of the town at the moment, um, but these trends do change um, and they change yeah. uh, fairly quickly. And, and when they do change, you know, you find whatever was working previously falls off a cliff pretty, pretty quickly. Um, so where do you kind of see based on the data that you guys have had access to and the amount of creative that you guys have done, um, the trends moving to in terms of content that converts in the next? Well, I think we've already started to see the shift slowly, slowly where big brands are leveraging, uh, personal profiles. So, uh, people that are like, you know, there's a, there's a supplement company, I think it's called inner shred or something like this. Uh, but they're basically leveraging huge. Uh, athletes, uh, influencers, people that have real engagement running ads from their page uh, and then just leveraging the audience in that page. Um, so I, I think that the trend really is to, you know, especially if you're launching a new brand, is to get that data as quickly as possible. And one of the ways to do that is to go to someone who already has an audience that is similar or would, would potentially buy the product. You can leverage their page, their audience to run the ads and then collect that data. And that really is gonna cut the time uh, of, of scaling. So we were already seeing it happen. Uh, it's not something that's extremely prevalent uh, yet, but it's definitely where the shift is going. Um, and, and yeah, so that's, that's what we're seeing. And then obviously, you know, product demonstrations are always going to be like the in thing because people will want to see the product demos. Um, in terms of viral ads, you know, I still think that this is a great way to, to, to break into the mainstream. Is it going to stay the same for the next 10 years? I'll be honest, I, I have my doubts, um, but I think that the UGC and the product demos uh, are going to stay for a very, very long time because this is sort of the foundation. Uh, and then obviously, you know, creating these kinds of case study experiments, things like that, just things that will showcase your product, um, you know, simply and effectively, you know, that's, that's kind of where we're going, you know, simple and effective. We're seeing more and more uh, shorter ads, so seven and 15 second ads. Uh, the longer formats, you know, uh, again, like, like we said before, there is a risk in doing that. So uh, definitely leveraging the profiles of people already that are in your niche, leveraging their audience to accumulate the data quickly, 
um, these are all things that are gonna that are gonna be like the baseline moving forward. Oh, definitely. I'm so happy you touched on that. Um, that completely slipped my mind. But we've actually been using it for one of our clients, and the results have been honestly, it's, it's blown everything else that we've been running out of the water. Like that's awesome. close. Like when you can tap into that audience, and let's say somebody has uh, for uh, you know hundred thousand followers, that's not yeah. you're not just reaching hundred thousand followers. You're reaching everybody who has engaged with their page in the last X amount of days. And that number can very easily and very quickly go up into the millions of people. And all of a sudden, kind of a new interest targeting that you can leverage whenever you feel like. And then you can- It's it's like, like, and I don't mean to jump in, but like, and it's not even like engagement is important, but it's not like, you're not going to the page for like, oh, they have like a 7% engagement. And that's like what you're measuring. It's just like, you're trying to create a pocket audience. Uh, instead of like relying solely on like the, the, the Facebook targeting, right? Like you're, you're trying to get that audience before. And it's the same way with YouTube, you know, uh, you want to run ads on YouTube because that's going to create data or it's going to create an audience for you to go and get with Facebook. It's all about creating that data before you run the ad. Um, so like that, it's uh, creating the audience, but yeah, no, keep going. It's, it's, it's really amazing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you want to know how effective it is, just look at like, uh, that company Fabletics, they do it yeah. in Hart. Like they run ads from Kevin Hart's account with like hundreds of millions of followers. So like, it, it, trust me, like when I say this stuff is powerful and I think it definitely is the next evolution of, of yeah. and I wouldn't be surprised to see kind of entire accounts just moving towards that solely where you have five, 10 influencer partners that you use and all of your ads run from their pages as opposed to your own to their audiences, to look like audiences of their audiences. And, you know, the possibilities become endless because you've literally got this entire new uh, stream of data and stream of people that you can leverage, um, which again, is just, for, especially for scale, if you want to spend 10, you know, 15K a day, that's where you really open up these, these creative ideas um, to really, you know, open the doors for you. And this is also where you can, you can kind of make a shift back to making some more creative stuff, you know, like, because you already have the audience, you know, and, and most of the time it's like when it's like back in the day when the brand used to do it, you know, uh, we, we worked with a coffee brand goth writer where we made like a super creative ad that was very on brand and people were just commenting saying, Hey, this is a great ad. I really identify with it. Um, and, and if we were to take that ad and put it into like, let's say Harley Davidson would share it or things that were really like on brand with that, with the coffee, Um, you know, whether or not the ad is effective, even as a creative piece, as a piece of content for that page, it could be interesting, uh, right? Because the people are already part of that tribe. They already identify with a certain like, you know, uh, client avatar identity. So it's, you know, it's, it opens up a lot of, a lot of possibilities. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Our timer just went off actually a couple of minutes ago, but sit here and talk about creatives all day so we're gonna have to put a hard stop on this um but listen man thank you so much for um hopping on here and talking creatives it's something that is super timely to to what's going on with facebook ads and digital marketing in general at the moment so i think a lot of people that listen to this will benefit um so yeah man i really really appreciate you just want to say that once again awesome perfect all right guys um so if you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe um, to the channel. You know, weekly episodes of the podcast will be coming out every Thursday, 7 p.m. UK time. Um, we're also looking at creating more content for the YouTube channel as well, more how-tos and stuff like that. Um, 
you know, to, to supplement the podcast supply um, and, and get more content out there helping people. Um, and if you're listening on Spotify, follow the show, um, rate and review, all that good stuff. Um, if you, you can connect with Antonio, his link um, to his agency and to his personal profile will be down below. So reach out to him if you want some content help or just some general advice around content or if you want to work with his agency. They're really, really solid guys. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for watching and we'll see you on the next one.